Evolve into Power is a podcast and a mission to highlight Central Florida's community and business leaders in the hopes of sharing the lessons they've learned with you all to help you evolve into power. Today's episode, Max and Dr. Alicia Clarcius were joined by Avani Desai, the president of Shellman & Company, a leading provider of attestation and compliance services. Avani spent the early part of her career working for KPMG, one of the world's largest accounting firms, and in 2012 joined Shellman as their executive vice president. She took over as president in 2018 and has led Shellman through many successes ever since. Here's her story. We hope you enjoy. All right. Well, today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, we have Avani Desai. Uh, she's partner and president of uh, Shellman & Company. She's also, which is one of the largest CPA firms in the market here. She's also the co-founder of MyCryptoAlert, which is a notification and portfolio app for cryptocurrency. Uh, she's been featured on Forbes magazine, on Wall Street Journal. She's a board member at the Honorable Palmer Medical Foundation. She's a co-chair with 100 Women Strong. Avni, where do you get the time? Um, you know, I'm really lucky. I have this uh, really great support group. I have my mom who lives with me. Um, I have an organization that we have some great leaders. Uh, so I say t- it does take a village, you know. Sure. Uh, it so definitely does. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very lucky. Very lucky. Well, and it's great to be here. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, uh, give us a little bit of background. Obviously, you're accomplishing some amazing things. But tell us how you got started in the early days. Sure. Sure. Um, so my story really started. My, both of my parents are immigrants um, from India. So they immigrated from India uh, to Orlando, actually. Uh, well, first from New York to Orlando in the 70s. I wasn't born yet. I have two older sisters um, who at that age were about two and five years old. And the main reason was, you know, my, my dad had two daughters and he had a great job in India. My mom had all of her family and all her friends and so forth. Um, but they knew that for their daughters to really have a strong professional background, which he really wanted. Uh, my dad, who unfortunately passed away a few months ago. Mm, sorry uh, to hear that. Thanks. Uh, was a big proponent of women. And he had, you know, a, a wife and two kids at the time. And he wanted to give them the best life. And he knew that America would offer that. So he'll tell you he came with three suitcases, $100. <laughs> A diploma that didn't really translate. In a dream. That's right. Uh, And um, from New York, came to Orlando. Um, I was born between that transition. And he became an entrepreneur um, in Orlando. And I went to school here. I went to elementary, middle, and high school in Orlando. And um, yeah, that's kind of really where I started. So this is home for me. Central Florida's home. Um, It was really nice. Uh, I came back in 2012 and was able to bring my family here and uh, to really kind of put our roots down. And I'm really excited to be able to do that. So uh, yeah, so that's my background. But from a professional perspective, you know, people ask me often, you know, we are uh, one of the largest cybersecurity audit firms um, in the US and actually one of the larger CPA firms um, in, in Florida, which is really exciting. And congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, and people ask me like, how did you get into cybersecurity? And, you know, when I was little, my dad and mom would always say I would break things and like to put them back. <laughs> That's all of us. Right? Um, I'm a big proponent in, you know, tinkering with things and breaking things. And I knew that I wanted to go into engineering. So my background is computer science through the College of Engineering. I went to University of Florida. And all right, you have. Yeah, go Gators. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Did I want to go into professional services? Did I want to go to a true technology firm like an Intel, a, you know, an Amazon or a Microsoft? But I knew I loved talking to people. Sure. And I knew that I really wanted to, you know, help people learn what their problems were. Um, and I was like, how do you do that? And one of the big four accounting firms actually came onto campus and I interviewed with them and had the mix of exactly what I needed. They were looking for somebody who had technical background to really help their clients, you know, make sure they're compliant with privacy and security. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. So in 2002, I started, I packed my bags. I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which I loved, love, love that city, you know. Uh, Beautiful city. 
it is full of lots of young, vibrant mm -hmm. uh, individuals. And I stayed there for about a year and a half, but Florida was always home. I, you know, my parents <laughs> were here, my friends were here, and I um, moved back to Tampa, Florida. And um, I spent eight years there with the firm. And it was great. We built out a practice. Um, you know, I did ethical hacking. I know people say that's uh, some interesting two words to put together. But that's really what it is, you know, making sure that we hack into systems um, so our companies can make sure that they're ready before uh, the malicious hackers. Sure. And I met my husband at a bar in Tampa, Florida. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so I stayed there for about eight years. Um, he is a physician. He does something called maternal fetal medicine, which is high risk pregnancy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, he ended up getting a fellowship in New York City. So in 2009, uh, just me and him, we packed up, moved to Manhattan. Wow. Um, we spent four years. My town, by the way. Yeah, he's a New <laughs> York native. I am. I am. <laughs> we were right at 34th Street and 3rd Avenue. Yeah, it was. Okay. Uh, right in Midtown is wonderful. Um, and so I still worked for a big four accounting firm there and it was great. I ended up going from external client service. So I wasn't servicing clients anymore. I was actually internal, I was servicing the firm and I added on a new skill set. So before I was very security focused and I added on a new skill set um, for privacy. So I became a very, uh, what they called a subject matter expert in both security and privacy. So we live right in Manhattan in a one bedroom right there my husband. I remember those fun days <laughs> yes. so I love that you said that uh, the humble beginnings you know you pretty much started with you know little to now you're in cybersecurity. you're in different realms you know you went to UF so you advanced you know how how long would you say it took you to go down that career path for the listeners that want to go into cybersecurity? yeah so you know I got right into cybersecurity right out of um, college, but it took a long path to get to where I am right now. And, you know, I, I constantly say every five years, you have to reinvent yourself, you know, or you become kind of stagnant or obsolete. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I went in from like this ethical hacking technical services and to five years after that, you know, getting more into client service. And then five years after that, adding on privacy and, um, yeah, it's really, you know, technology outpaces humans. It does. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, people tell you a hundred years ago you could fit all the data in a room. And now every minute we have yeah. so much data that, you know, we're we're making so much data that it's every year since the beginning of data, we can double it, you know. Wow. Right. Wow. Right. And and that's where we are. And I, I constantly say is how do we make sure we don't become obsolete? You know, I don't think robots are ever going to take over, right? We built them, right? You know, are you sure? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, like something like this, you know, you know, it a conversation, you know, the creativity mm -hmm. and the the passion and the excitement. You know, you don't get that from from robots or, right. mm -hmm. or artificial intelligence, but the thing is, you can't become obsolete. The thing is, you have to stay on top of it. And that's what I felt like I've had the opportunity in my career to, thanks to mentors and sponsors and um, luck. And, you know, I, I've been able to kind of, you know, kind of stay one step, one step ahead. Um, but then, you know, it, things happen. You know, my, my personal life, um, while I was in New York, I had my son. I have a son who's 10 years old now named Sahil. Um, he was born and I first year he was born, I traveled, I saw, I traveled 298 days. Wow. So um, I only saw him like 60 something days wow. um, out of the whole year. And you can ask my parents when I, when they asked me when I was little, what I wanted to be, the first thing I said was I wanted to be a mom. Like I knew it. <laughs> like, you know? And then maybe I said, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, so you always <laughs> knew from a young age, you wanted to be an engineer. I did. I knew I wanted to be an engineer. Like I, you know, it was, well, when you're Indian, you could be an engineer or a doctor. Or a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew I didn't want to be a doctor, but uh, um, yeah, I did. I knew I wanted to fix things. I didn't know I wanted to be a computer engineer. My dad, my dad's background um, is civil engineering. My sister's background is mechanical engineering. 
my uncles are electrical engineers. I mean, you know, so okay, I, so you have engineers within the family. Correct. Oh, correct. okay. So I knew that um, you're going down that career path. Correct. And then <laughs> you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, computer engineering, software engineering was really kind of the big thing, right? Um, and I loved it. You know, I love that I was able to, um, I tell people all the time, I'm in my own video game every day when I wake up, right? Yeah. That's, it, it's kind of like that. You know, I, I kind of like being in my own video game. Um, but I had to make a really hard decision, you know, when we were in New York City of, you know, do I want to stay at this big four accounting firm, make partner um, and live that life because that's really what I wanted, right? Or would I have to find something else to be able to kind of balance professional, personal, be a mom, be a wife, be a daughter? And right. uh, in 2012, I quit and I actually quit my job. We moved to Florida. My husband got a job here at one of the hospitals in Orlando and I didn't have a job. Like I was like, you know, I'm gonna brunch with my girlfriends. I'm gonna take my <laughs> son, um, you know, to Gymboree and so forth. And um, four weeks into that, I get a phone call from Chris Shellman, who's the founder of the company that I work for. And uh, he convinced me to come work for him. And I said, you know what? I need two months. I wanna enjoy this. And he's like, yeah, take all the time you want. And wow. so, um, wow. that's what happens when you're subject, when you're subject, subject matter, matter expert, opportunities find you. Yes. Um, but it was the best decision that I have ever made. So I joined the company in 2012. Um, I actually joined as their chief marketing officer. Um, you know, he, uh, needed someone to help grow the firm. Um, so I went from chief marketing, uh, officer to executive vice president where I focused on growth and new service lines, client acquisition. Um, and then in 2018, um, I took over the position of president. So it's- Wow, um, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, yes. it's been exciting. Uh, it's been challenging, but I say often, you know, I'm not really ever stressed out. You know, it's challenging and it's hard and there's days you got to make tough decisions and have tough conversations, but there's never a day that I like get into bed and say, I never, I don't want to do this again. Like, right. I get, yeah. It, and I hadn't, I've never had that feeling in my life from a career. That's beautiful. Good. So what really keeps you influenced? What keeps you going then to not yeah. have that feeling? What, what motivates you to get well, up every morning? Well, I think one Chris is, you know, I say there's a difference between a mentor and a sponsor and he's a true sponsor. You know, he, um, he one gave me this opportunity, which he ha didn't have to, right? You know, there there were many people who were at the firm years and years before me. Um, so one, his support and his guidance has been great. Um, two, I get the flexibility that I want. You know, I have the ability of I do travel a little bit, um, sometimes a lot, but you know, I have the ability of making sure that I'm home for every birthday and every tea and every dance recital and every basketball game and so forth. Um, and I have a level of autonomy. You know, that's what it, it's so empowering and refreshing. Sure. To it's important. Right? Yeah. And, and a voice, you know, it's um, telling someone what you think would be a good change or a good process or a good addition. And then for, and they say, yes, yeah, I agree with you. And it's hard, you know, it's hard <laughs> to find that. Sure. Corporate America. So and, tell us, yeah, go ahead. Tell us about your mentors because you keep hitting on that. I heard you say that twice. Yeah. Did you always have a mentor when you're growing up, or was it? Well, it started with your father and yeah. watching family yes. uh, some of the things they did. Yes. yes, my dad was definitely my mentor when mm -hmm. I joined um, the accounting firm. I did find a mentor um, within the organization, but then. I remember her telling me, she was actually, she became the CEO and chairman of the company. And I remember her telling me, you need to find a mentor within the organization and one without, with outside the organization, because there's going to be so many, we're no longer in the area of nine to five is what you work. And then after five, you go to your personal life. You know, there's such this gray line, everything blends together. You're traveling, you're on planes, you're, you know, you're in hotel rooms when you're going to a client. You may have dinner with your coworkers more than you'll have dinner with your family, right? Yeah. And she told me, she goes, those are things that you need to talk to people about. So I found a mentor who um, 
was not even in, uh, he, he's male, he's not even in the industry I'm in, um, who I can bounce ideas off of. And it's so nice, right. a refreshing outlook. It's someone who, you know, isn't in technology, but I can talk to him about things and he'll be like, are you sure? Like that's <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Um, but he's honest and he's, he's forthcoming. Correct, correct. Um, and then I talk about sponsorship. You know, sponsorship is is different because you need someone within the organization who is going to pull you up and who's going to say, you know, this is the next person who's going to get that seat at the C-suite. That's, that's or really yeah. And that, that I think is probably sometimes more important in your career path. You know, a mentor gives you good advice and, you know, will help you through difficult problems and, you know, help you solve things. But, you know, a sponsor is the one who's going to get you at that, at that seat at the table, right? And I'm thinking, let me ask you this question. Most, Most people, people think, think that, that success, success is a linear line. line. No, you go, go from, from point, point A, a directly to, to point B. B. Uh, you, you said, said you know, from India to New York, York down, down to Florida, Florida back to New York. Tell us how important it is to be flexible when opportunity calls and you act. Not that it may not be a straight line, but knowing where you're trying to go is most important. Yeah, it my success path has been a zigzag with lots of stops and goes, right? You know, <laughs> you know I, I'm a big believer in success is really built on how many failures you had, right? You know, mm -hmm. I read this good book um, by Ant, the last name is Duckworth, it's called Grit. And, you know, it talked about, it gave you stories about, you know, people who were, had, had it easy in life. They find it very difficult when it comes to challenges mm -hmm. and they don't have it easy. But when you're that, you know, 90 pound kid on the flag football team, you have this grit and this perseverance, <laughs> right? And every time you fall, you're going to get up. And if you fall again, you're going to get up. But, you know, if you're the, the 180 pound, you know, naturally fit person that's never fallen, it may be hard to get up, right? right. And, and I learned that and I failed a lot. I mean, trust me, you know, it's, um, you know, I failed as a mother, I failed as a wife, I failed as an employee, but each one of those times I've learned something. And I think that's kind of the zigzag. But at the end, what I knew is, you know, I didn't know I wanted to be president of a cybersecurity firm. I'll tell you that. I didn't know. Right. Mm -hmm. But I did know that I wanted to have an influential position where I could help women of color and I wanted to help women in technology and I wanted to build something so unique in compliance that, you know, we were people centric. Like I knew that, right? I just didn't right. know how I was going to get there or what that was going to look like, but that was my end goal, right? So it did take, you know, um, taking kind of this zigzag approach, you know, leaving a career to focus on being a mom, getting back into a career, not knowing that, you know, I would find someone like Chris who would give me a position of uh, presidency and kind of go from there, right? So flexibility is really important, but I think what's even more important than that is you can't quit when it gets hard, right? Because mm -hmm. every time you fail, just know that that success is going to be even sweeter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is, it's true. And, and that's what's happened. Like, you know, I look back now and I look at kind of all the struggles and the, the heartaches that I've had, but I'm at a pretty good place, right? And yes. it's, it's exciting to be here. And those struggles help you to find yourself and de yeah. develop who you are and to find that voice you were referring to a moment ago. That's right. Yeah. And you appreciate it. Yeah. And talk to our listeners about, I know that she hints on uh, the minorities and being African-American. Yeah. Talk to our listeners about that. A lot of people have excuses. You know, I'm a, a minority. I'm African-American. You know, um, uh, people just, right, I'm a woman. Yeah. They have a lot of excuses to why they can't do something. So talk to them <laughs> because you're, you know, if I can reveal, you say that you're pregnant. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Yes, and you're a and you're mother. Still it's still right, good. and you're still pushing exactly. So, talk to our listeners about that: how to never give up despite uh, many challenges that are thrown their way. Yeah, you know, I can tell you, I'm in a very male-dominated, you know, cybersecurity, engineering, it is. Uh, you know, uh, 
17% of um, the cybersecurity industry is female and 6% are minorities, wow. right? So even less are minority females. And, um, you know, we were, we were about two years ago ranked one of the top 100 CPA firms. And somebody told me I was the only female minority running a CPA firm as a president. Wow. And I wasn't excited about that. I was actually upset. Like, really? It's 2018, 2019. What's the reason, right? Mm -hmm. And so to me, you know, I think it really is on us. It's on me and it's on you to, one, educate people of what is out there, right? Because so I can tell you. I can tell you, I've, um, I've gone and talked to like my kids' classrooms and they don't even know what, like they, they know what type <laughs> of, they love Roblox and Minecraft and Fortnite. And right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but you know, when I, when I ask a lot, these are four or five-year-old girls, I ask them what they want to be. And, you know, they say ballerinas and, you know, princesses and so forth. And that's on me, right? You know, I, I put my, which isn't a bad thing. You know, I put my daughter in dance and this and that, but I should put her in coding and I should, yes. I should really give her a remote control and tell her to play Roblox and tell mm -hmm. her to play, you know, maybe not Fortnite at five years old, but you know, something <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe instead of giving her a Barbie, I should give her a robot, right? You know, that it's that unbiased, level that we don't even know that we're doing right so right. it falls on me and it falls on me at a very young age when i go to college and i tell people oh cybersecurity," they've made up their minds of what they want to do most of the time right it's too mm -hmm. late but starting at kindergarten first and second grade and just telling them all the different positions that they can do and and letting i talked about tinkering break stuff get dirty don't get upset you know when um, my daughter is a very, she tells people she's going to be a computer engineer when she grows up, but, um, I see her like the remote control is all put to pieces. And I'm like, and I, all I want to do is watch Netflix at night. Right. Put it back together so I can watch TV. <laughs> um, so I step back and I say, well, that's how her, her brain is working on how can she take it apart? How can she fix it? And that's the brain that we need in technology, right? right. And, and women, actually, when you study the brain, they can multitask. And I mean, all of the, you know, the, the positives that, you know, typically the gender, uh, the female gender has, it works really well. I believe that. In coding and technology and, you know, um, um, cybersecurity and so forth. But, you know, there have been many times when, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I went, I was probably 26 years old. I was a manager at the time. And I went to a client and um, I had three people working for me. And the CIO at the time said, oh, when, when is your boss coming? And I was like, well, that's me. You know, I'm right. <laughs> um, I've had that question too. Right? <laughs> um, I've had the question just now, you know, I have a 10 and seven year old and I'll have a newborn in a few months. And uh, people ask me, they're like, how are you going to do it? But no one asked my husband at the hospital, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Congratulations on being a dad. That's so exciting. But no one's mm -hmm. ever asking, how are you going to do it every day? Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of struggle, but kind of comes back to my point on grit. Like every time someone says that to me, like, I get a little bit more empowered to prove them wrong. Right. And, yeah. and, not only that, but I want the next generation to know that being a mom, being a wife, you know, not being a mom, not being a wife, any of that, you know, it, it shouldn't stop you from kind of reaching what your career goals are. And, mm -hmm. and with these types, we have to show them, you know, I, the reason that there aren't women in cybersecurity at, you know, really high levels is because, you know, when I left the big four accounting firm, I had nobody to look up to. I didn't know what that next step looked like. I just didn't know. And yeah. at that point in my career, I was scared to take that step without into the unknown, right? Mm -hmm. So I came here, which was a, but now the people after me, you know, they know what the next step looks like. And, right. you know, they can call me and ask me, you know, how do you do, how do you juggle it? You know, um, do you, do you shut off at five o'clock? You know, how do you make sure you have enough time for your family? And, you know, 
these are types of questions where it's nice to have like some historical data. It's nice to be able exactly. to, we're data. That's all we do, right? And right. It's clues. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my advice to minorities and women would be, yeah, prove them wrong because mm -hmm. we have the willpower, we have the smarts, we have the dedication, you know, why should circumstance stop us, right? And then it's on us, it's on me and you to make sure that we help them get there, right? You know, I, yeah, I hope, I'll tell you a funny story. It was um, about kind of about bias. So I have a 10 year old son and um, we were, we were at like a, in where we live kind of in this like downtown Windermere area. And I saw a client and um, the CFO and his wife. And I was like, oh, that's the CFO of my client. And my son's like, who, the female or the male? Yeah, and that's what I want, right? You know, I mm. love that. And that's, that's amazing. No bias there. And that means I kind of raised mm -hmm. him well to know. And that's right. You raised exactly. him right. He's open. He's, he's, open. he's, he's, he's not so myopic in his, in his thinking. That's right. And even and me, I had that predisposition of, oh, the CFO was the male, right? Even me, mm -hmm. right? And without knowing that. Um, but yeah, that's what I want. You know, I want our kids to not see inequity, right? I don't want inequity from a gender perspective, from an LGBTQ perspective, from a socioeconomic perspective, you know, from a color perspective. Um, but it's going to take it's going to take a lot of our time to make but sure. But I, I, I am hopeful because I'm seeing a lot of change. And I love what you said about our kids learning to code early because I believe Bill Gates and both Mark Zuckerberg started coding at the age of nine or ten. And look what they're doing here today. Avni, let me ask you this: What has been your biggest failure, and how has that failure helped you and propelled you forward to who you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, so my biggest failure, I've had a lot of, uh, <laughs> um, but you know what, I will tell you that at that point in my time, at the point in my life, at that time where I only saw my son, you know, 50 or 60 days and he would go to my mom or to a babysitter before he came to me, I felt like a failure. Like yeah. I, you know. I remember he was one years old and he fell and he, I was right there. It was a Saturday. So I was home and he looked at me and turned around and looked at everybody else to see who else. Wow. To, right. Wow. And I felt like. I can I only imagine. Yeah. I mean, you know, you give birth. It, it, I told you ever since I was little, I wanted to be a mom, but that really has shaped the way that I have been a leader. Like mm -hmm. even at the firm today, I am a big advocate for, you know, 12 to 16 weeks of parental leave and maternity leave and, you know, giving, you know, women do take a brunt of domestic stuff at home, right? Absolutely. Even like, you know, even my husband's so supportive, but he doesn't buy a Christmas gift for the family. I mean, I buy my <laughs> Are you, Are you trying, trying to embarrass, to embarrass me on this show? show? Uh, <laughs> no, keep, keep, keep going, Abby. Keep going. He needs to hear things like this. <laughs> he doesn't know when the kids have spirit day and when, you know, birthday gifts and teacher appreciation gifts. Like exactly. Yeah, you know, that all falls on the mom. And so we do what we can as a firm to make sure that we can decrease the burden off of parents off of women and so forth. And I would not have known if I didn't go through that, right? You know, right. I I had the experience of something that was negatively impacted me so much. I didn't want anyone else to feel that, right? right. I, I love that. Else, you know, I got two weeks of maternity leave and I was back on a plane pumping breast milk in mm -hmm. an airport bathroom, right? You know, I want women to be able to spend 12 weeks at home. I want dads to be able to spend six weeks at home. Thank you. Because when they come back to work and they've had that, they're going to be better employees, right? Sure. They're going to really enjoy the time that they've had. And so my leadership and kind of my thought processes and the whole people-centric 
and making sure we take care of our people because everything else will come. Revenue will mm-hmm. come if you take care of your people. Exactly. If you, if you do good to the community, the clients will come, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's people before profits. And that's always been my thing. And I can tell you, prior to having my son, I was very driven on what is net income? How do we get net income up? How do we decrease the bottom line and so forth? But now those questions are still there. You know, as a president, you have those questions. But my questions are also, you know, what's the cost of losing a good person? Wow, exactly. Right? Those are things that that I think about now that I would not have thought about in the past. That's That's terrific. terrific. You're a true visionary, visionary, uh, pioneer. I appreciate that. We've had to shift even our uh, way of thinking as well towards your way of thinking, you know, in our business too. Because like you said, the the people is what really matters and they keep things going. Even with, you know, large companies, small businesses, it's all the same. You have to take care of the key people there. And I'll I'll give you you a perfect perfect example. example. You You made me laugh a second ago. You know, know, in in my my business business all the time, whenever they they say, say, specifically where real estate estate is concerned, they say, where's Matt? I'm like, here I am. <laughs> oh, I thought he was sitting over his assistant or anything of that nature. And what that does, though, it makes me happy. I, that gives me a view because I've built something that uh, other people feel that I shouldn't be the head of. It actually is a, is a, is a form of flattery. Abdi, let me ask you this. What are three people, dead or alive, that, that you would love, love to have, have dinner, dinner with, and yeah. for what reason? Yes. Oh, this is great. Um, I would love to have dinner with my dad one more time. I'll tell you that. You know, that would be great. Um, you know, I am a big history buff, and I do love giving back to the community. And I read a lot about Mother Teresa. And, oh, she was fantastic. And how, you know, uh, yeah, she she's amazing and from a technology perspective Stephen Hawking's um, <laughs> one of the um, both amazing minds out there like I would just love to be able to ask him questions right yes um, definitely and, and um, you know a big thing for me is is leaving a legacy for my children and I'm not talking about monetary or anything it's mm-hmm. you know how do you change the small part of the map where we are to be better than when we came into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's why I look at, you know, um, Bill Gates, you know, who's giving 99% of his wealth away and, you know, mother Teresa and, you know, even locally, you know, the central Florida foundation, which is full of some amazing philanthropists, like mm-hmm. that's the legacy we need to all leave, you know, for our children. And, and, more than ever. I mean, look at the environment that we're in sure. right now, mm-hmm. right? You know, how do we find a place where equality, lack, no hate, right? You know, um, unity and so forth. And that's really important. Sure. Someone, I told someone this, this is probably the first, 2020 was probably the first time in my professional career that I was making statements on things like social justice, LGBTQ, um, and healthcare, healthcare disparities, right? Because no longer can a leader be silent about things, Mm -hmm. right? And you have to, you have to have a viewpoint and it it may not be what your employees want. 50, 50 might like it, 50% don't, but um, we're coming to an age where we have to start making stances on this and silence is no longer you know an option anymore and that i i learned that you know it, mm-hmm. it's yeah. the current environment and the kind of the negativity that we've seen to to get there and you know what that's that's good i mean that's part of you know the legacy that we're going to leave is that we take a stance and i like i want to make i want to be on the right side of history you know and sure. I'll, I'll tell my kids that and i'll tell my employees that and yeah, it's it's an interesting world. That's, that's amazing you said that. Uh, I was reading Russell Conwell's uh, Acres of Diamond, mm-hmm. and he said that he, he, he pities the rich man's son because they never learned the grit that you were talking about. They never learned the self-discipline, just giving them away things. And uh, that's amazing, uh, you know, leaving a true legacy. 
And another thing, and I'll say to the listeners now, uh, having a fever is not always bad, right? Because the fever is what's purifying the body. So when we see what's happening around us now, it's the purifier. It's separating, uh, 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 you know, it's getting rid of cancer, for lack of a better word, out of the body. So I actually love those challenges that I see around us. Yes. And also attending back to that, we have uh, friends as well that's in the tech field. And like you said, they're women and they all say the same thing. You know, they think that uh, men, you know, rule or dominate the field and they're coming up as well. Yeah. Um, And also with hinting back, it hit home with us because we talk about this all the time. Um, Me and Max about leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy isn't just about leaving funds behind or, you know, money. It's actually imprinting embedding you know your name on society what did you do to change that like you said mother like Teresa mother is a Teresa. great right she's a great example you know of that of just giving back you know to the world so we love that you mentioned that so uh, that's a segue for you to inform our listeners how you would inform yourself say your 18 year old self what would you tell your 18 year old self now that you know what you know yeah <laughs> let her know back to back in the day um probably you know i'm gonna take it i'm gonna take it three point you know per, personal life professional life and giving back to society i would say one to my 18 year old self about giving back to society i i always thought you had to be a millionaire to be a philanthropist but all you need is time treasure and talent that's it <laughs> you know? three teens if you have those time treasure and talent if you have time to you know work eliminate stand and you have a gift of social media and you know you have um something to give back is really all you need and and i wish i knew that earlier in life um to really kind of help the society um my professional self um no is a complete sentence (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i always said yes always and then it burned me out and probably about three four years ago i learned to start saying no and it was like weight lifted off my shoulder i felt liberated (laughs) you know i was like no and then people move on with their lives um and to uh, my that personal That tells you a lot about you, that you're very relationship. relationship. Uh, you, yeah. you, you value relationship. I am people-centric, yeah. I am yeah. people-centric, right? Yeah. Um, and to my personal self, um, time is really important. You know, I look back and, you know, uh, I miss my dad like every day, right? And, mm-hmm. and there were times when I was like, gosh, I wish he lived, he lived with us. And so did my mom. And so my mom does as well. But, you know, there were times when he would come into my office here and I'd be busy and I would get frustrated and I wish I could just go back and just spend that time. Right. And so, so telling yourselves that it's okay, things can wait, you know, family and friends. And I think, I think, you know, where this 2020 helped me really realize that because we, I slowed down. I wasn't waking up at eight o'clock taking the kids to, you know, their lessons and their games. And I wasn't getting on a plane and I wasn't packing the night before, like things slowed down and it's a silver lining. Like I just, I am so happy that I have gotten to, I guess, reinvigorize relationships that I haven't gotten to do because life would get in the way. Right. And, and, and I don't think it's going to change. I think 2020 has really changed me on slowing down, stopping, um, looking people in the eyes, finishing your conversation. Um, so you never regret it. And yeah. and it took me it took me almost 40 years to realize that. But that's beautiful. Uh, I'm excited that I did, and I'm I'm thankful for. I, there's a lot of things I'm not thankful for for 2020, but that's one thing I'm very thankful for. Well, let's, let's take a the trip then. Uh, with, with the everything you just highlighted, I think it's the perfect time. We're, we're taking, taking a trip. Uh, we're now you're now eight years old, uh, sitting in your rocking chair, uh, looking back, reflecting over your life. Uh, tell us uh, what that looks like. What do you wish you you would have accomplished? Obviously, Obviously, it sounds sounds like you want to make an impact on society. 
tell us uh, what that looks like for you. Tony Robbins calls it the uh, rocking chair test, making sure that we have no regrets. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I would hope I'm not working anymore. I want to be retired at 80. I hope to be doing what my parents do, taking care of my grandkids. Um, you know, my dad always said that your children are the money in the bank, but your grandchildren are the interest. <laughs> I like always love the interest, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? I I say things like that often. I want to make an impact on society. And that's very broad. But what do I want to do? You know, for me, make for me to focus on decreasing the inequity of women in technology is very important. And and it's something that we do as a firm. It's something that, you know, I put my time, treasure and talent in, and, you know, in the, the community. And I hope when I look back and I look at my industry, that not only do I see 50% men and 50% women, but I hope I see 50% men and 50% women at the leadership level. And yes, that's going to be the only way that we're going to make change. You know, it, they talk about putting a female in the boardroom one is great 10 is better right yeah and and that's really what i hope to accomplish you know what i'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis i love cybersecurity. i love growth i love you know leading a cpa firm but that is going to be what i want to focus on you know after i leave this that's what i want to work on um, and i hope i can look back at 880 and say we achieved it or we're going to achieve it. That's and that, that, would, that would actually make me a very happy and complete person. And my children are self-sufficient and of course. good human beings. <laughs> <laughs> I can see them being no other way, just having this conversation with you. Yes. So uh, Adi, go ahead. Okay. So with that too, <clears throat> I don't know if you heard, and this is just kind of a random question. You know the robot that's... Uh, um, I think she got citizenship yeah. here and you, you've heard of her, right? Yes. So can you speak on that about the artificial intelligence and yeah. how that works? Yeah. You know, I love technology or wouldn't be in it. Um, but <laughs> things like that are creepy to me. There's a lot <laughs> of I've always wanted to know this question. So I'm glad you can answer it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I, so you take a look, you know, robots, have the ability of getting a lot of data, making decisions based on the criteria that we put in, you know, that we code in and make decisions. And maybe they will make decisions that are better than you and I can make decisions. Because at the end of the day, our decisions are biased, right? It's based on how we grew up and it's based on, did we eat that day? And it's based on, did you have a fight with your spouse? And it's based on all these other right experience and so forth so yeah a robot probably can make better decisions when it comes to specifically data but that's not what we're about right you know right when, when you go listen to a president of a nation tell a speech it's not about the data in there. It's about the intonation and the sure. passion and the excitement that's going to get us all, you know, either happy or sad, right? Influencing. Influence, right? It, it's all about, you know, when you listen to an argument um, in a courthouse, it's the persuasion in that argument, right? That's right. When you look at a an empty canvas and someone's painting on it, it's that creativity, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, you know, I think it's, we can complement what we do in society with robots and data. We can actually get rid of some of the most dangerous jobs, like going into a burning building with mm -hmm. robots, right? But I think that's great. That's how society, we should take mm -hmm. things like people flying into hurricanes and hurricane chasers, right? Yeah, let right. robots do that. Right. Right. But we can't. But change society and say, you know, society is going to be better because of this. Right. And so, so giving them citizenship, it, it, yeah, it doesn't sit the right way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, uh, to be human, to be a person, to be part of a community, to be part of a 
fabric and thread mm-hmm. is a lot more than you know numbers and information that you kind of intake right it's yeah right it's we're having right now you know this is passion this is excitement this is learning from each other right you don't want to take away the human experience humanizing everything yes emotional. also talk to a little bit while now while we're on this subject about ai because i know that they did a study where they said that quite a bit of people are they're liking virtual reality as opposed to reality so is there some sort of risk there that maybe if we expose our kids too much to uh, artificial intelligence, where mostly where virtual reality is concerned, yeah. uh, we begin to shift their minds entirely to what reality is. Correct. You know, like I said, I think technology complements us very well. Moderation is also kind of what's needed. You know, my kids love virtual reality too, right? You know, they mm-hmm. they love to put on their Oculus and be able to go to Paris and look at, you know, the 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 sights in the Eiffel Tower and so forth. Um, my son actually even said the other day, he's like, oh yeah, I guess we never really have to go to Paris. And I said, no, but it's that food <laughs> that's there. And it's the conversation sure. that you have right. with the stranger that's there. And it's mm-hmm. the smell of the air of bread and the the pizza and, you know, mm-hmm. the music and the, the actually touching the, you know, um, the buildings, right? Yeah. So, I do worry that people will want to go into this world of virtual reality and leave reality back because reality sometimes for a lot of us isn't worth it. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people that say my reality isn't like your reality. Right. And, and that comes back to the whole inequity thing, something that we need to fix, you know, as a society. But the second thing is, you know, teaching our kids. Yeah, this is, this is, okay and you know you can learn this way and you can do all that but there's a level of seeing reality good and bad right there's there's a reason i want to take my kids back to india to see the slums right yeah and there's and that you don't you can't in virtual reality virtual reality is all typically 100 percent positive right 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 and you have to have that negative experience as well like you can't just build this life of positive experiences i mean i tell my kids that often like you know their lives are very different than the life i like my parents were on welfare you know we we had food stamps and you know they can order uber eats whenever they want (laughs) (laughs) the reality that they have but they need to see that other because that's what's gonna that's really what's gonna make their character at the end of the day and reality is going to make your character. Virtual mm-hmm. reality is it's not, but it's fun, and you use it. Use it in moderation. Use it as a learning tool. Use it to, you know, enjoy yourselves. But it's reality is a real thing. Yeah, sure. so in Fifty years, it may not be, and we'll have this conversation then. <laughs> but right now, yeah. yeah. Abby, what's, what's a question, question that, that we, we should have asked, asked you? But maybe we didn't know you well enough to ask that specific question. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what do I like to do in my spare time? You know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I um because you're just so busy, you have so much going on. Not only that, you're you're achieving at a high level, so that means everything comes with a level of standard, you can't slack. So that is a good question. Maybe the listeners can say, yes, I do have a life. I do enjoy myself sometimes. Um, You know, during quarantine, me and the kids and my husband started going for walks in the the evening. Everybody was out. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I think it became, it, it just became really, and you guys, you have, you have six kids, right? Six kids? Yes. It was a no phones, no, like no one was distracting you. And we're on these walks and one, it's great because I get some exercise, but two, the things that they ask, I just loved it. Like (laughs) it was so intuitive. Like the things that they said during like the, the walks, like where we could have these like very open conversations. um, I love that. Yeah, it was so like I 
fell in love with my kids again. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you love your kids, but I'm like, they are some smart, you know, well put together kids, just like the things that they were uh, asking me. And it kind of comes back to the, you know, stop, slow down. And like, um, so yes, yeah, so we, we love our walks. Uh, we started doing puzzles. That's a new thing for us. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, my kids don't want to ever put the puzzle back in the box. So we have them laminated and they're like all over the place. Yeah, like we used to do that. <laughs> uh, I do, I have a Peloton. I'm, I am a definitely a Peloton junkie. Um, do love that. And we do love to travel when we can. When it's safe again, Absolutely. we will be excited to um, get on a cruise or get in the car or my, my wife, wife is begging me to take her to Greece, so I yes. this time. That's on my list, too. Yes. I've never been. I would love we just to. don't want to get stuck over there right now. <laughs> you know, exactly. COVID, yeah. So tell us where our, our listeners can connect with you online. Yes. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Avni, D-E. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I'm not on, I think I'm on Instagram, but I really don't follow it that much. Um, but then you can always follow, find me at shellman.com as well, uh, our company website. Uh, Abby, what, what is, is the word of wisdom or something, something that is on your heart, heart uh, that you say, you know, you would love to leave with the uh, listener here today? Um, I think what I would leave with the listeners is probably, you know, don't ever regret stuff. You know, I think that. I spent a lot of my time regretting something that I wish I would have done. But then when I look back 10 years later, it all worked itself out the way that it was. Um, So, and I even see my kids sometimes think, gosh, I wish I did that. I wish I did that. Um, I would leave them with, you know, just, yeah, don't regret things. You know, you have the ability of making the future the way you want it by decisions that you make. And, and the, Things that are worth it are the hardest things to do. Yeah. yeah. Things that aren't worth it will come easy, right? Yeah. And yeah. the things that are worth it are very hard. And uh, just have some faith. And, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in faith and gratitude. And, you know, we really make our own destiny. That's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. We love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Abney. And uh, we wish you much success with your career. And so we thank you for leaving valuable information for our listeners. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was wonderful talking no, to you. No, the privilege is not Hey, podcast fans. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Evolving to Power. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to get updates for future episodes. We'll see you next time.